Hello, folks, and thanks for listening in today. I'm Pastor David, and joining me today is Pastor Brendan. Hello, everyone. This podcast exists to encourage us and all of you towards two things. We want you to consider and chew on the words of Scripture, and we want you to apply those words to your life. This month, we are in Proverbs, so follow us, follow along with us as we read Proverbs 23.4. Proverbs 24. All right, here's what it says. Do not envy the wicked. Do not desire their company, for their heart plots violence, and their lips talk about making trouble. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. The wise prevail through great power, and those who have knowledge muster their strength. Surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. Wisdom is too high for fools. In the assembly at the gate, they must not open their mouth. Whoever plots evil will be known as a schemer. The schemes of folly are sin, and people detest a mocker. If you falter in time of trouble, how small is your strength? Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those who are staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not the Lord weigh the heart and perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? Eat honey, my son, for it is good, honey, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know also that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, there is a future hope for you. Your hope will not be cut off. Do not lurk like the thief near the house of the righteous. Do not plunder their dwelling places. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Do not gloat when your enemy falls, when they stumble. Do not let your heart rejoice, or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. Do not fret because of evildoers, or be envious of the wicked, for the evildoer has no future hope, and the lamp of the wicked will be snuffed out. Fear the Lord and the King, my son, and do not join with rebellious officials. For those who will send sudden destruction on them, or for those two will send sudden destruction on them, and who knows what calamities they can bring? And it says, further sayings of the wise, verse 23. These also are sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judging is not good. Whoever says to the guilty, you are innocent, will be cursed by the people and denounced by nations. But it will go well for those who convict the guilty. And get your fields ready for that build, for after that, build your house. Do not testify against your neighbors without cause. Would you use your lips uh, to mislead? Do not say, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who had no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and stone wall was in ruin. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So that's Proverbs for today. Uh, Brendan, what you got? Well, I was looking at uh, verse 3 and 4. By wisdom a house is built, 
and through understanding. It's established through knowledge. Its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. When I was thinking about uh, uh, Jesus' um, parable, when he talks about the house that is built on the rock is the one that stands, and, and a wise man builds, builds his house on the rock. And, and, and the idea of, of building your family, building your life on Christ, and, and, uh, and having that firm foundation. And then it talks about also, like it talks about the, through knowledge and through wisdom, its roo- rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. It kind, that kind of makes me think of also like store up treasures in heaven, the verse, you know, yeah. how, how we, uh, we are to, to not focus on earthly things, but, but uh, when, we, when we establish our home, when we establish our families, on the rock of Christ, then we are also um, focusing on His kingdom, focusing on eternal things, focusing not on uh, necessarily on uh, you know the the things of this world. Yeah, and I think when Jesus is talking about a house, like you know, He's clearly talking about kind of a metaphor for our life. You know, our life built on the rock yeah. stands, and, <clears throat> and a life built on sand goes away. And I think it can be applied here. You know. Our house should be beautiful. Our life should be beautiful in all its spaces. You know, yeah. you should go in the living room and where you entertain people and where you have guests, and that should be a beautiful place where people feel relaxed and love coming. And you know, you, your uh, bathroom, what goes on there, that should be honoring to God. And your bedroom, what goes on there, should be honoring to God and beautiful and wonderfully built and considered. And it is kind of like um, the the job of a believer, right? Is that Jesus knocks on the door and comes in and. Right. And starts rearranging and making everything beautiful and everything work. And one of the things we talk about a lot in church here is kind of the annoying thing about Jesus, if I can say that without being sacrilegious, <laughs> is that he doesn't stop when you let him in the front door. That he goes and starts knocking on other doors. And eventually he's going to get to that junk drawer. You know, that drawer with all the knickknacks in it. Yeah, or the closet with everything stuffed in so tight that when you open it up, everything just falls, falls on top of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So eventually he's going to get to that spot. And he's going to want to clean that up and make it functional too. And I think that that's this is the the house should be decorated. Every room in it should be beautiful and functional and in a, in a blessing to God and the people that you're around and a, a joy. And so, like I like these house metaphors because it reminds me, you know, I've got a a living room and we could kind of think about that as the part of us that we show to everybody. But there's a bedroom too, and there's a, maybe a closet that I hide away that I don't want people to look at as much. And mm-hmm. I think all of those rooms, when I start to think about decorating the whole house, I think about all of those spaces and, you know, what's going on in the kitchen. Is that honoring to God? What's going on in your kids' bedrooms? Are you, are you raising those kids to love Jesus? Are you sharing the gospel with them? I think, I think it's important that, that we think about kind of the wholeness of our life. And so when it says that, you know, uh, the house is beautifully decorated and full of rare and beautiful treasures, I think, I think it's a wonderful thing to think about, like, each area of our life being like yeah that. yeah and i love the the idea too of you know not just jesus coming in and and cleaning the house but each room has a purpose that's right and like each room should be filled with these rare and beautiful treasures or or have uh and and, and you know in our in our lives we should be bringing new creation we should be uh you know uh, working for his kingdom in ways that we're bringing life and justice and beauty yeah and so that gets me to proverbs 11 or the 11th proverb of this section right we talk about justice this is rescue those being led away to death wow hold back those staggering towards the slaughter i I mean yeah do that right yeah like 
It, what, what good is Christianity if we're not warning those who are staggering towards death that they're staggering towards death? If, if we're not warning those who are, who are running headlong into uh, error and hurt and pain and we're not saying, hey, there's pain on that road, there's hurt on that road, and, and, the, and there's a solution to it, right? That there's, a, there's an answer to that problem that you're having. There's a solution and it's found in the cross, you know, what, right. what good are we for not doing that? And it goes on in 12 to say, you could say, but we know nothing about this. And, and people say that, right? So like, hey, I'm just going to pretend that I don't know what my friend is doing. Like my friend is, mm. you know, drinking too much or, you know, they're, you know, living in some sort of sin. They have this thing going on in their life. And we could say, but I know nothing about that. I'm not here to, to look at their life. I'm not here to. It's not my business. It's not my business. And that's what we're saying. But it says, does not the one who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know of it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? And and so he's God in, in the proverbist uh, speaking the words of God here is saying, "Look, you are responsible." You know this uh, Cain and Abel, right? He said, "Am I my brother's keeper?" Right. And we always say that, "Am I my brother's keeper?" And the definite <laughs> answer to that in Cain and Abel is yes. Yes. And also, don't murder him, right? Right. And and like, why do we quote the murderer? Right. <laughs> why are we like, <laughs> "Am I, I my know. brother's keeper?" Yeah. Like, like yeah. why is that the most quotable part of that that story? I don't right. understand. It. And we use it because of our human nature, like, and we, exactly out of context. We want right? to pass the buck. Yeah. yeah. And it, we use it exactly the same way Cain is using it. Like, I'm not my brother's <laughs> keeper, but yeah. that story is telling you, yes, you are. And I mean, obviously, he was murdering his brother. So yes, he was his brother's keeper. But here it's saying like even if you're not that culpable, even if you're not the murderer, it says you got to be the rescuer. Yeah, like, we got to be the rescuer. We have to rescue those, and that's the word it uses is rescue, right? Not not guide or instruct or give advice to. Like you know, lifeguards are effective rescuers because they jump in the water. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they're yeah, not. Yeah. There's no rescue if you stand on the lifeguard stand. <laughs> And you just holler, "Hey, stop drowning!" Yeah, let me uh, let me give you a swimming lesson real fast. Right, like, <laughs> I see you drowning out there. You should swim to the side instead. You know, <laughs> like that would be no good. Lifeguard. The lifeguard's job is to you know, they blow that whistle and they're in the water, grabbing you out. That's rescue. And that's and what sometimes it peril to themselves. Sometimes they may get punched or you know, yeah. like or you know, un. Uh, probably not on purpose, but you know, sometimes the person nature. struggling in the water, right? May, punch him across the face or knock him out or whatever. Yeah. And so you think about Jesus and he jumped in the water for us. Like he didn't just stand up in heaven and, and yell out, hey, don't do stupid stuff. He yeah. came down here and showed us how to not do stupid stuff. And he and, and what peril to him? The cross. You exactly. Know? Like yeah. the, the, the cross, the instrument of shame and, and, and pain and hurt. And he took that for us. And he says... It here, before he even does that, I mean, this kind of you know foreshadows what Jesus is going to do for us, but it tells us how we're supposed to interact with those around us, which is rescue those being led away to death. And what a way to talk about sin. Hmm? Yeah. And this would be, you know, also uh, if we knowingly just let our friends stagger towards that danger, mm -hmm. like that is sin. You know, like that's a sin of omission. You know, and and verse twelve really points that out. He's saying if you know, if you say, but we knew nothing about this, um, that that God will actually judge us based on us 
you know, whether or not we're actually rescuing those right. who we see. <laughs> and he are, judges us, right? There's stuff we can't right. know. Our friends can yeah. hide stuff from sure, us. And, sure, sure. And I think it's being clear, like, he's not judging us for what we don't know, but right. he knows if we know and yeah. whether we should have known. And man, what a crime. He weighs if, our hearts. He weighs our hearts, yeah. yeah. What a crime if our friend is uh, lost and, and headed toward, is snake bitten and headed toward certain pain in a certain kind of death and what a shame if we don't know like right. what does that say about our friendships and how we're paying attention to somebody other than ourselves you yeah know? it's not just that we have a responsibility but that's like if it's a truly loving relationship then then we're not going to be enabling we're not going to be uh just standing by the wayside and it can mean tough conversations i mean mm-hmm. it almost always does and hurt friendships <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes broken. I mean, sometimes you may uh, reach out to try and rescue someone, and they may decide to cut off that relationship. You know, right. it may come at personal cost to us. But I think it's our responsibility. I think if we value our 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 relationship with them more than we value their relationship with Jesus, mm. then our friendship is selfish. Yeah, that's, that's a selfish. That's friendship. heavy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that what it's telling us to do is value their relationship with God more than our comfort and our relationship with them, which means we got to say the hard things when they have to be said. And sometimes when you say it, they just walk away. But you know what I found is that people who walk away usually walk back. Hmm. Like when they, because if you continue to live in sin, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to stop living in sin or you're going to be really hurt by that sin. And so right. they'll either stop living in that sin and then they'll say, man, I appreciate that you loved me in that time. Or they're going to be really hurt by that sin and they're going to come back saying, man, you're, you're, I see what happened. That was, that was the correct thing. You are right by that. Right. And it's not every time. It's not a promise. Remember, principles, not promises. But, yes. But yeah. people who, tend, who walk away from your friendship because you confront them with loving truth, if it's loving, most often will walk back when, when the truth plays out in their life one way or the other. Yeah. So, what's, what's the passage in the New Testament? I putting you on the spot where tell speak speak the truth in love tell the truth in love oh yeah, I have yeah to yeah. google it but anyway well there we go so the point <laughs> is though that, that that's the that's the game and so um i i just i, I found that uh, striking and enjoyable yeah and uh we're gonna cut out this long google pause sweet yeah oh it's a uh, ephesians four fifteen. sorry about there that. you go that's fine <laughs> speak the truth in love but yeah that's just like you were saying, you know, it, it has to have, uh, you know, the motivation behind us speaking the truth matters that, that we are doing it out of love. Right. And, and then, that, and that comes across too, to the person, hopefully, you know, yeah. they'll be able to see that. Yeah. Hope, you know, if you've built your friendships well, then they should at least in their brain say they love me, even if in their heart they feel hurt and pain and like you didn't love them, they should at least be able to, in their logical side of their head, say, I know that's out of love even if they still break the friendship, even if they still won't talk to you anymore. It's, mm. it's, the, the requirement is that we don't let our friends walk headlong over a cliff. And that's the requirement. That's on us. That's, yeah. we, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. You know, yeah. it doesn't always depend on me. I can't, you know, other people have their own stuff. But it's, for my part, I'm going to try very hard to do what God called me to do. Yeah. Yeah, and what was it, the, the one atheist who had the quote about... Uh, Basically, he was talking about um, Christians that he knew that mm-hmm. didn't really, he, he felt like they weren't 
uh, trying to keep him from going to yeah. hell. They weren't really talking to him. It was and he was like, Yeah, and he was like, it's yeah. like if I walk in front of a bus, and I'm about to walk in front of a bus, and, and they're not trying to stop me. You know, yeah. so but there was one one person who was sharing. Yeah, uh, so it was, it was Penn from Penn and Teller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had a podcast a long time ago. It was called <clears throat> Pinpoint, and this was, I mean, fifteen years ago now. And if you haven't seen this video, you should look it up. Is look at um, Pinpoint um, on sharing your faith or evangelism. And what happened was a guy who had seen his show gave him a Bible, and he had wrote in the Bible like a little personalized message saying, "Hey, man, uh, I know you're an atheist. I'm praying for you." anything in here, you know, spark something, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. God bless you. Thanks for, you know, the show and all that. You know, it's just very kind. And he said that he he talked to that guy after the show, the guy gave him the Bible, and he could tell that he was sincere, that he really yeah. believed what he was saying. And Penn right. thinks that what he's saying is not true. He wrote a book on atheism called, I believe it's called uh, God No Reasons You Might Already Be an Atheist. That was mm-hmm. his big thing. His big argument was, uh, if God told you to kill somebody today, would you do it? And he says, if your answer is no, then you're already an atheist. You're already, you're already <laughs> saying, because if God told you to kill somebody today, then you would have to do it, right? If God says it, you have to do it. Okay. And so he's saying, if you'd say no, then you're already an atheist. That's his big <laughs> argument. That's the book, God, no, reasons you might already be an atheist. That's In- the argument. Interesting argument. Um, but I, I think he's right. I think uh-huh. the people say, like, if God told you to, like, let's take a killing somebody out of the equation. What if God told you today to pack up your bags and move to South America and be a missionary? Would you do it? And I think a lot of people the answer is no. They're already living like an atheist. They're already yeah, ignoring yeah. God. In American, we uh, America, we call that um, therapeutic moral deism, mm-hmm. where we use God to make us feel better about our lives instead of using God to change our lives to become who we yeah, call them. making him the king of our lives. That's yeah. right. And so Pendulet just kind of expounds on that with a really difficult uh, question of, we don't believe that God would tell us to kill somebody, but uh, God can do whatever he wants. And if, if that's what he said, then that's what we would have to do. And so if you, you would say no, then Penn would say, well, you're already living like an atheist, so just say you're an atheist and move on with your life. Anyway, so he's pretty serious yeah. about atheism in yeah, yeah, that yeah. book. And he said he doesn't respect Christians who don't share their faith because you're saying you're heading off a cliff. And if you're going to watch me head off a cliff and not tell me, then you must not believe what you say very strongly. And you, you that's not the mark of a good person. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's interesting to the um, story he tells. He actually said, you know, he admitted to getting emotional about. Yeah, the, he cried the person, in the video. Right. Yeah, yeah, which is which is powerful. Uh, the the, you know, he he did feel the love. Yeah. Of that that man who gave him the Bible. And he further went on to say that um, because people actually interact honestly and care about each other, he believes that people with big differences, believing in God, not believing in God, being this or that. Um, can have honest and open conversations and be friends in a serious way, which I, I like that whole thing. I'm, now we're doing a breakdown of that, that video. <laughs> yeah, so. we're getting, getting <laughs> down some serious rabbit holes. Yeah. But, uh, but I think it is a good illustration of rescue those being led away to death. Yeah. yeah. And then there's, there's more. So um, in verse 28, we get to this, don't testify against somebody uh, without cause. You know, don't use your lips to mislead. And it goes, it says this, do not say, I'll do to them as they have done to me, mm. I'll pay them back for what they did. You know, that's a common kind of um, idea that I'm going to pay somebody back. I'll get you back for what you did to me. It's it's normal. I tell you what, if you have kids, you've seen this, where one kid, like, gets hurt. And then, and then the thing that kids will do often is they'll come tell on them. 
and then watch. And if they don't feel like they got punished enough, then the kid will go back and do something mean to make sure that, that it's even in their yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, But it's never even, right? No. Because a kid who then got even with, he feels you know slighted, and so he's going to go tell. And then, and then if there's not enough punishment that they feel it hasn't been enough punishment meted out, then they'll meet out some extra punishment. Yeah. This, this drive for self-preserving justice or selfish justice is born in us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you see it on Interstate. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> the Ray Rage. Where I'll you show that guy. Two, two guys going back and forth, and they're cutting each other left and right and uh, cutting each other off. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's the... It just keeps on acceler- accelerating and, and snowballing. Right. And so the Bible tells us, and that's a, a self-preserving reason to not do that. But, you know, the, the real reason that we don't worry about justice and getting people back is that we don't want to live in a just world. It, um, we want to live in a merciful world, in a gracious world. I want to live in a world where Jesus' grace forgave me of my sins and brings justice that way, restoratively. Mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. instead of through punishment because man if i received all the punishment that i have earned right well that's hell yeah right that's yeah. awful that's no world i want to live in and so so for me to receive grace and then to turn around and not give it to the next guy you know there's a parable about that yeah yeah the guy says, i forgive you for all that you owe me and then the, and then he turns around and says hey you owe me and he 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 uh finds the next guy and he doesn't give the grace that he received. And I mean, way back in the Old Testament, same message. This is amazing how how continuous, how much continuity there is in the Bible. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. But thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, join us next next uh, or tomorrow. I was going to say next week, but tomorrow for the next next proverb. <laughs> um, but also, there were a lot of proverbs we did not get through. So uh, go and look through Proverbs 24 and and see which ones are, are speaking to you. And I hope you all have a great rest of the day. Thanks, guys.